You're listening to The Fearless Hustle Collective, a podcast for creative female entrepreneurs and a home to honest conversations about the ups and downs of running your own business. I'm your host and business mindset coach, Anna Dunleavy, and we'll explore topics on self-doubt, following your intuition, and why self-limiting beliefs might be holding you back. Hello and welcome back to episode 76. I hope you've all had a lovely break. I'm going to jump straight into today's episode and today I'm chatting with Astrid Brackey, a work-life balancing mentor for women. Astrid helps her clients to set healthy boundaries and find ways of leading a balanced life and we talk about overwhelm and overworking, learning to listen to your body, self-care and living in sync with your seasons. Let's jump straight in. Hi Astrid, thank you so much for joining me today. Why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about what it is that you do? Hi Anna, it's lovely to be here, I'm really pleased. I am a work-life balance mentor and I support women to set boundaries, tune into their energy and generally live a more balanced life. And um, I work with women in, in various ways uh, through my one-on-one mentoring through my blog where I like to write and my monthly newsletter and the women that I work with are really a combination of small business owners women working in nine to five and those that are combining a side business with either another job or family responsibilities Mm. yeah so there's quite a real variety in the women that you work with I suppose yes absolutely there is and I think that's also something that I enjoy about it mm-hmm. and also the fact that lots of things keep coming back no matter what your sort of work situation is yeah I can imagine there are certain themes that will stand out with pro- probably most clients yes absolutely yeah I think for many people I, w- I was going to say all of us but let's say many of us mm-hmm. um, setting boundaries around work and 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 different parts of work and family and trying to sort of juggle it all in a way that doesn't leave you feel burnt out I think that's just a theme for many of us yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so why don't we start with you know maybe going back a little bit and and maybe you can tell us a little bit about how your business started and what has been your journey through you know your career into where you are now yeah so I studied English. So I studied um, so specifically English literature. And when I was done, I really wanted to go into academia. So I loved writing my, my MA thesis and I loved doing research and I loved doing all the thinking and the writing. So once I got my MA, I really started looking for PhD positions and kind of worked on temporary contracts at the same time. So that was already quite a bit. And Once I got that PhD position, I really sort of entered academia, which turned out, it's no surprise to anyone with any experience, I think, in academia, is this sort of massive culture of overwork, where sort of if you're not working on the weekends, people think that's weird. Um, So I did my PhD, really enjoyed it, sort of then started thinking, okay, I want to stay in academia. There's not a whole lot of academic jobs, so that put quite a lot of pressure on me to Um, apply for jobs and I ended up working at three different institutions so I would be traveling around the country to various uh, universities and keeping up with research and keeping up with the applications for like a more permanent position and that 
not surprisingly quickly led to anxiety, depression and burnout in various forms. I think that now looking back, that's really where my business started in a way that this my own experience and then starting on my own journey to figure out, okay, so this is not working, right? I'm making myself ill. How can I put more boundaries um, in place? And now I work on my own business and also part-time uh, at a teacher training college um, where I still teach about literature and which I enjoy, but it's also still a culture of overwork. It seems that teachers are these sort of like machines that are always working. And that really led me to having the same kind of feelings of overwhelm that I, you know, become familiar with before. Mm. So it really forced me to, to start making choices around how much I work and when I work and also going part-time. I think this idea of going part-time was something that the me of even like six years ago would not have imagined. So that led to me starting my own business um, a few years ago in early 2019. I really started thinking, you know, keep having all these conversations with people about, you know, about work. We spend so much of our time thinking about work and we spent quite mm -hmm. a lot of time at our work. And I just kept hearing the same stories of overwhelm, overwork, um, guilt, right? Lots of people feeling guilty. I think particularly women feeling guilty about how much time they spend at work and how much time they don't spend at work in relation to family particularly, but also themselves. So I really started to get a sense, you know, I've, I've been here and I know what it's like and I've got something to offer. And that's how it started in, in early 2019. And I started hosting and organizing local workshops first around, you know, how do you spend your time and what gives you energy? Mm. How can we make a plan that, you know, feels good? And just before the pandemic hit, um, I decided to, to sort of take the business more online and more international, which has been interesting timing in many ways. So that's <laughs> what I've been doing. Yeah, ever since. It's interesting that you mentioned that there are obviously recurring themes and stories of, you know, overworking, overwhelm. And I think particularly as women, we have so many different roles, potentially, if you have children, you, you know, you're potentially looking after the kids and making sure that the uniform is ready or that the lunch is ready or that they're, you know, at nursery school at the right time. And all the different things not to say that the dads don't necessarily um contribute but I feel like th there is a certain amount of the different roles that we have to kind of switch between between the work between the family life and it's quite there's so much to manage but I was having a conversation with my husband actually only this morning about the culture of overworking is really ingrained in our society. And actually, I find that I have to keep reminding myself to not get dragged into that. And I think it's a continuous kind of work. It's a continuous practice of reminding myself and being intentional about what's important. Do you find that as well? Yes, absolutely. It's interesting that you said you had this conversation recently because last night I was talking to a friend and we were talking about this idea of, of working less. Um, and she also said, you know, we're not raised to think about this, about mm. or to want this, right? You're sort of this idea of 
consciously or not always wanting more this idea that you sort of you know as you get a job and then you kind of you keep climbing that ladder and this idea to say at a certain point you know I I want off the ladder or I want my own ladder it's something that I think that we don't we're not raised to think that way and I think absolutely what you're talking about with with women seem to feel more sort of this emotional labor as well right Uh, whether it's put on us by no culture or or whether it's something that we've just ingrained in ourselves and I think that that's also something why I find it so interesting to 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 work with women because it's it's not just I mean it's work but it's also everything around it right working but also thinking indeed about oh you know you know the kids need this or if you don't have kids or just thinking you know I need to pick up something for dinner or what are we going to do then sort of this constant list I think that many women have in their minds and and I think on the one hand sort of having your own small business might make that worse which is ironic because I think many of us start our own business because we want less of that we want Mm -hmm. less of the overwhelm and less of the stress but then we're responsible for our own time and then everything sort of starts bleeding into each other Um, yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah, I can very much recognize that. And also, I think the fact that when we do start our own business, what, you know, I would imagine that most people really enjoy what they do, or they go into a business following a passion of some kind. And the difficulty with that is is knowing when to stop and what are the boundaries between work. Because at the end of the day, even though you enjoy it, it's still work. And it's not your whole life. And I think what you said about you know, climbing this ladder. And actually, when you look back to what we're taught at school, and, you know, maybe university, or, you know, there's always, you're always aiming for completing the exams, then once you've done that, then you're looking at going to maybe different schools, different colleges, universities, then there's looking for the job. And like you say, it's, it's this constant striving for more in the professional sense, but we're never actually taught to think, well, but what do I want for the part of my life that isn't, hasn't got anything to do with work? Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, I very much agree. And work is so, I think, so central to our lives, whether we want it or not. You know, when you meet someone, it's so often that one of the first questions is, you know, what do you do? Mm, um, yeah. So work is so central to our culture. Yeah. Yeah. So what does work-life balance mean to you now? Having gone through burnout, having gone through potentially mental health issues, through overworking and overwhelm, what does it look like now? Yeah. So for me, it's really, I mean, it's been a slow process, I think, but it's definitely meant just trying not to plan my days solely around work things. And obviously, you know, I have to make money and pay the mortgage too but Mm. I really consciously try not to see my days as like this series of work tasks to complete so what I now do I started doing that a couple of years ago is starting my day by reading for fun for 30 minutes so after breakfast I'll settle down on the sofa with a book and a cup of tea and read and that's been something that on the one hand feels counterintuitive because I'm naturally very much a person you know like let's start the day and let's go and let's work and you know let's be productive but I've realized that what makes me one of the things that makes me really happy is is reading and particularly sort of this idea of reading during the workday feels like such a luxury to me Mm. so starting my day with that 
has really meant that I now signal to myself, you know, this is important and I want to start my day with this. And I've also really learned that it makes me feel calmer when I, because occasionally it, you know, it doesn't work. I have an appointment that I can't move, that's early. But those days tend to feel a little more frazzled. So that moment at the beginning of the day has really been very important to me. Yeah, so that's one of the things that, you know, one of the ways that work-life balance looks like for me now. Another thing that I've been experimenting with is really setting my own working hours as much as possible, which is probably to some extent easier, you know, in, in, the, in, in my own business part. But it's also meant like being really clear about communicating with people, you know, I'm available from like 10 onwards. I don't like to do a lot of work before 10 because I love to have these slow mornings. And I've also started to do that more in my part-time job where we work with like these sort of electronic calendars. And I discovered that you can actually set your working hours. So if someone tries to schedule an appointment with you before a certain time, they can't, which I think is brilliant. Mm. <laughs> um, so that's, that's something. Um, taking email off my phone has been massive. I used to be... You know, I used to start my day with email, sort of checking my email over breakfast in the morning, which made me feel like super on top of things until I realized that I was working over breakfast, which made me feel more, well, a little sad. So I stopped doing that. And I've also, I try to be fairly strict around my social media boundaries. And that's what I, something I talk a lot uh, about with small business owners, this idea of, you know, social media being work, but it also kind of feels like fun or it's supposed to be fun mm. it's so easy to scroll so I really try to be fairly strict with that which in practice means that I end up deleting Instagram a couple of times a week which is <laughs> kind of silly um, but it's the only way that I really make sure that I'm intentionally there when I want to be there and yeah. that I'm not scrolling because I'm tired or you know don't really know what I want to do or whatever yeah, so those are a couple of big things to me. Social media is, I mean, it's a topic I revisit time and time again. And I think from the conversations I have, I think it seems that everyone has struggles to find that balance because it's like you say, it's, it's, it is fun to an extent and we can get sucked in. And, you know, now there's the, all these new features like Reels. And so it's become even more of a fun platform in that sense. And so it's so easy to go on there with the intention of maybe just posting or doing something that is work related. And then 20 minutes later, you find yourself going through all this different content. And I think for me, aside from the, you know, wasting of time potentially that's happening, it's the continuous overwhelm of information. So we are continuously taking in information that we don't necessarily need. Do, do you find that as well? Yes, absolutely. And, and I think, I mean, that's how apps like Instagram are designed, right? To continuously yeah. <laughs> sort of bombard us with this information. And that's, and I think, I mean, there's lots also been written sort of about how our brain works and that we're always looking for like the next big thing and hopeful that, you know, the next thing, if you just scroll like one minute more, you might find something interesting. Yeah, so that I think is, is a big one, indeed being bombarded by things that you're not necessarily asking for. Um, I also hear lots of people talking about uh, comparison, right? Mm. That it makes you feel like you're not showing up enough as a business owner, right? Uh, you should always be visible because, of course, this feed just keeps refreshing itself. So it feels like everyone's always constantly posting, which is, of course, not true. 
but I know that many, many people I talk to really struggle with that, comparing themselves and also just feeling like they have to be on there in order to run their business. And if they, you know, if they miss a day, then that's going to have like disastrous consequences. So that's yeah. sort of a yeah, struggle I hear, hear about a lot. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then there's this element of potentially missing out, whether that's on the important information that we might miss out on or missing out on the, you know, engaging with our audience. And I think that's another kind of driving factor for us to want to be there as much as possible. But something that I like to kind of think about is thinking about, you know, the time spent there versus the impact that it's actually having on your business. And is it is, is it bringing that return that you actually want? And, and I suppose that then drives spending time more intentionally on there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, something like social media should really be one of several tools, right? It, it should be helping you and it's not you, you know, you're not sort of built or designed to have to support that app, right? The app mm. is meant to support you. And I think if it makes you feel unhappy or icky or overwhelmed then it's really good to, to try to you know set yourself a limit set a timer for 30 minutes of posting and scrolling in the morning and then try not to be on the app or delete it as I do so I wanted to ask because I, I know you talked about in the past feeling at a loss when perhaps you weren't working and I think that's quite a common theme particularly for people who have a tendency to maybe work longer hours or you know think about work a lot how did you find what were the ways in which you kind of stopped doing that or is that still something that you're working on how how does that look for you yeah that's a, that's a really good good question and I think this started as I was working in in academia and at that point on paper I had pretty good work-life balance boundaries because I really was fairly good at not working in the evenings. I was fairly good at not working during the weekends, whereas many of my colleagues were working in those at those moments as well. But I started noticing that I started coming to work earlier and earlier and beating myself up about it when I wasn't there early. And indeed, this idea that on weekends, I just felt kind of lost. I just thought, okay, so, so now what? And I rarely mm. took off time uh, from work. And I think what... I mean, what forced me to, to make it a change is that I had quite a serious anxiety disorder in uh, early 2011, which led to me being signed off of work for nearly six months. So I really had to, I mean, I couldn't work at that point. There was very little I could do. Um, but that really also, I, I needed to, particularly as I slowly started to feel better, I suddenly had all of this time that I wasn't spending on work. And I think that's, where I started sort of adding things to my day that were not work. So I started walking regularly, for instance. And I think it's been something that I, I think only over the past two years or so, I've realized that I tend to make things like work. So I will find something like, you know, a yoga challenge and then decide, okay, now you have to do yoga every day for 21 days, which <laughs> can be a good idea. And yoga is lovely. But I have the tendency naturally to make everything like work. Mm. And that's something that I've really needed to learn, not, not making things like work and also discovering joy and, and life outside of work. And it sounds a little bit cheesy, but me, meeting my partner has been really important in that because suddenly I had something fun on the weekends, you know, spending time with him. 
Uh, but I think that also really taught me, you know, thinking about the things that I enjoyed outside of work. And that it's been a, it's been a slow journey, but I think that gradually that balance really shifted partially by being forced to by my mental health, um, but also by discovering other lovely things outside of work. I think it's it's allowing ourselves to look beyond all the, you know, stuff that is productive. I think that's, that's for me that I know that's a sticky point. When I feel like I'm not being productive, I kind of wonder what am I doing? <laughs> but actually, we don't, we don't need to be productive. 100% of the time and you know seven days a week yeah absolutely I, I really recognize that feeling and I think just this whole idea of you know productivity it's not I think a lot of us approach productivity and like work tasks or whatever as if it's like a race and there's this big medal at the end but there usually isn't right and I think I, I realized because I, I do enjoy my work I enjoy particularly the business um, I also enjoy some of the part-time teaching um, but there's more to my life and I think trying to figure out these sort of moments of deep joy have really helped me to kind of step away from that productivity thing and just having a list like of things that I can do other than work really inspires me to step away from work I like that I like the idea of having a list of things that actually you really enjoy doing that have nothing to do with work so how do we stick to those new boundaries and potential new kind of self-care habits in terms of you know maybe actually finding the things that we enjoy outside of work and how do we how do we stick to that without quickly falling back into our old ways yeah that's a that's a good question I think self-care habits have become such um well sort of like also a little bit of a sticky topic because mm. it often feels if you look at Pinterest or whatever there's like these sort of like 10 self-care habits to do before breakfast the thought of that sort of already overwhelms me but it seems that you know self-care I think and it and that's a lovely thing has become such a, a popular term that's also brought this idea of habits as a measure of productivity and success yeah. Um, and I recently uh, wrote a blog post around that kind of this idea about reframing your self-care habits. And it kind of came out of, well, a lot of what I saw on the internet, this idea of, you know, adding these things to your day, but also my own experience. For a couple of years, I had uh, like one of those fitness trackers. Mm-hmm. And I thought, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to take 10,000 steps a day. And on some days, that, you know, I was fine. But in other days, I wouldn't have my 10,000 steps. So what I'd end up doing is like, you know, at the end of my walk, loop around and just keep walking until I reach the 10,000. Or even more ridiculous, at night when I was like on the sofa, I was like, oh, no, it's not 10,000. Just start walking through the house, which drove my partner insane. And so after a while, I realized, you know, I've taken something that's like a habit that I enjoy and I've turned it well, into work, into a productivity mm. thing, right? So that I think is a kind of, if we want to think about, you know, why do you want to include a self-care habit? I think it's really important to think about, well, the why. Why is it because people, you know, people say that, you know, you should meditate every day. But why do you want to meditate every day? Right? Or why do you want to walk? And for me, with the walking, it's really been this realization that it's not the 10,000 steps, but it's I know that walking is really good for my mental health. And I know that if I don't walk, daily or semi-daily that my mental health suffers and that I think has been a much nicer way of motivating myself than the fitness tracker so I think sort of keeping that purpose in mind I think is a really good way and I think it also sets you up for making it easier to stick to a habit 
when you know why you're doing it and not just because the internet tells you to or because other people say you know, it's a good idea. Another tip that I often give people is to make it easy. So to not overburden yourself. So not to say, okay, I'm going to start like five new habits. I know from experience that that is exhausting. But seeing, okay, so what am I going to add to my day? Can you add that to another habit? It's this idea of habit stacking. Um, where, for instance, you might say, okay, so I get up in the morning and then I meditate or, you know, this kind of link between different things that you do one activity that you do anyway, you know, like brushing your teeth and add another habit to it because that makes it much easier to stick with it because then you don't really have to think about it anymore. I would also say, like, set yourself up for success. One thing is, is I think to be really to give yourself some grace. You might miss a day, but then you can just start again tomorrow. Um, on the social media thing, I think for many people, it's really beneficial to put their phone away if they want to do something else in the time that they usually spend on the phone, to put it in a different room, um, you know, put like a craft project on, on the sofa in the morning so that at night when you sort of sit down on the sofa and you'd usually grab your phone, you can now dive into the project. So th those kind of things, I think, can really help. And I think the same goes for for setting like boundaries if you try to set yourself up for success like planning to leave work at a certain time or planning to close your laptop at a certain time I think makes it much easier to stick with it and another thing I think around the boundaries again and I think that goes for social media but also for email just for availability whether you're a small business owner or working a nine-to-five I think communicating that availability can be really important I see you know, quite a few people also on Instagram saying on Friday, and I'm signing off for the weekend. And that kind of alleviates that pressure to be present all the time. And you communicate to your clients and your customers like, you know, on the weekend, I'm not going to be present. And you can also put that in your email signature. Or the other day I sent someone an email and I got an automatic reply that said, you know, I deal with non-urgent emails on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And that's that felt totally fine to me as the person emailing. I didn't, I wasn't upset thinking like, oh, you know, she doesn't care about my email. I just really respected how she communicated boundaries. And I think that's a good thing um, for all of us to keep in mind. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I've always said that when we communicate those boundaries clearly, particularly when it comes to clients in terms of, you know, maybe your work hours or being quite clear about what you're going to be providing and the level of support maybe that you'll be providing or that kind of stuff. I think it just, it means not only does it give you permission to follow through on that and stick to your own boundaries, but also it just, it sets a precedent, doesn't it? To, for, or for the work going forward. And, and it makes it kind of easier long-term, I think. Yes, absolutely. And I also think, I mean, if you are sort of more of a a maker or a creative I think communicating sort of boundaries around how long does it take you to to ship out a project a, a product or how long does it uh, you know if you do bespoke things how long does that take when is going to be your last date before Christmas or before your holiday or whatever yeah. and I think people indeed I think most people will just respect that um, and would much rather read a message like that than wondering am I in time for Christmas or whatever yeah that's the thing because if we I suppose if we don't communicate those things then we are leaving the other person wondering and potentially getting upset with us 
because they haven't had an update or they've not heard from us yet and and setting those boundaries right from the start means that we are avoiding all of that as well so I know that you talk about being in tune with our seasons and cycles and how this ties in with having this kind of healthy work-life balance so what do you do now perhaps how different does that look now to to perhaps a few years ago when you didn't pay any attention to the seasons and cycles yeah that it's interesting to kind of think back on that because I for the longest time was not very much aware of my body um and I think I mean it's it's I think many people probably have that right we spend so much time in our head and working with our minds that this sort of like contraption supporting our heads um gets ignored so I think for me setting those boundaries and getting this healthy balance has really been about sort of getting more in tune with my body and cycle tracking has been really important to me and I kind of started getting into that more I think in early 2019 when I read like the work of Claire Baker um, and also Maisie Hill and I really just started to, to discover at like you know 35 years old that all of this thing all these things were happening in my body and that that you know these hormonal fluctuations actually did something to how I felt and particularly also my energy levels and that has been really eye-opening to me but it's also kind of given me permission to be less productive this idea that you know your body whether you're cycling or not but your body goes through phases of feeling more energized and less energized and that's normal and it's okay to be you know less productive or to do things differently on certain days so that's that's been huge for me another thing that i like to do is to keep kind of like a little balance sheet that i make in like a notebook where i keep track of what gives me energy and what doesn't give me energy in terms of the tasks that I do and and have to do. I mean, there's certain things like admin that don't really light up my world. So they are generally sort of like the don't give me a whole lot of energy things. But that has really allowed me to see, okay, so what am I doing on a weekly basis and what is giving me energy and what isn't and what can I add and what can I take out? And it's also allowed me much more to plan for weeks that I know, okay, I've I've got a couple of these big things that I know I find more draining. So how can I plan around them? That has been really helpful. Yeah, counteracting the, yeah, the potential kind of bigger events or the things that will be draining our energy with maybe some more slow movement or things like, even things like, you know, going to sleep earlier than we normally would to get more Rest. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or something like, you know, if you have a lot of sort of like appointments or deadlines, it can feel really counterintuitive to take a break because our mind is telling us, you know, you need to keep working. But I think particularly in those moments, just taking 20 minutes or half an hour away from your work, away from your laptop, maybe just going out for a short walk or just be outside for a moment, do something else than work. I think that can also often really help us, particularly at moments when we feel like we have to be working. Yeah, absolutely. I, again, something I've talked about quite regularly, I think, but I have always had the tendency to push through when I know I'm busy, I've got lots to do, 
no, I'm not going to go for a walk or make time for lunch maybe or whatever it is because I've got all these things to do I I haven't got the time but actually I've always found that when I do make the time I just come back feeling so much better I feel refreshed I don't feel perhaps as overwhelmed anymore and so yeah it's it's just again it's that continuous reminder that you know we do need the breaks and we're not we're not made to be productive and, and working all the time yeah I really recognize that what you say indeed to this pushing through and Mm sort of responding to feeling tired by working more um yeah and we're not made to, to to function like that and also if you think about it in terms of joy I think adding these moments of more joy to your day indeed taking like a little break can also I think kind of help us shift what we think about what we need to do during a work day and that we can also add these little moments that that make us feel energized as you say yeah As we are wrapping up, I would love to know if there was one tip that you could give your younger self, what would it be? I thought about this question initially. I thought I'd like to tell my younger self, you know, you don't have to work so hard. Mm. But I also know that my younger self would not have really cared about that. This sort of idea, of, you know, what do you mean I don't have to work so hard? It really felt like it wasn't even a choice to work so hard. It was, you know, I, I... can do anything other than work really hard Mm. so that would probably not be the best advice to give my younger self so the advice that I would give is to kind of figure out ways of listening to my body and as such discovering my needs because one of the things I found really hard for a long time is to figure out what I really needed I would describe this feeling of like turning inwards and thinking, okay, so what do you need? And just hearing like silence. And I think listening to, or listening is is probably too big a word, figuring out what my body needs has been really important. And it's really as small as thinking, wait a minute, my feet are cold. Oh, Mm. I think I'm hungry. And I think particularly when we're thinking of work and overwork, that's something to that we ignore and also if we're taking care of other people right we tend to put ourselves last but that kind of trying to figure out my own physical needs has really helped me it's really been like sort of a door through which I now know much more often what I really need at a certain moment Um, so I think that's what I'd say to my younger self right I try to find out ways that you can tune into your body Mm, I love that yeah it's something that I have been working on myself in the last few months, I would say, I'm really, really tuning in to kind of like, what do I need right now, instead of perhaps thinking about all the things that I should be doing. Yeah, I, I mean, it can be really inconvenient, too. I mean, sometimes yeah. <laughs> like, the, the old me will sort of be like, really grumpy, like, you know, I know that you'd rather get up now and maybe take a walk, but we have to work. And so I, I mean, I can sometimes feel annoyed that you know I really need rest but I also think I have to do things so it's it's definitely something that that keeps on something that I need to keep on working on but I do think it's been the thing that's made the biggest change for me amazing thank you so much so where can people find you um well on my website which is acidbracky.com and bracky is b-r-a-c-k-e or like an acquaintance of mine said, bracket without the T. <laughs> um, and there you can uh, sign up to my newsletter to receive a work-life balance checklist. And I'm also on Instagram a couple of times a week, not always, but a couple of times a week uh, at Asplit Bracket. 
Perfect. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Anna. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'd be so, so grateful if you could leave a review on iTunes so that other female creatives can find this podcast too.